I'm blessed in that sense, but that's why I left home because I felt like I was kind of always in the background and always just observing this kind of warfare going on. So I kind of was a person who kind of would just get on with it and that's what I've been taken for, I guess, yeah. Welcome to The Signal Podcast, the podcast that raises your frequency. I'm Maury Fontanez, purpose coach to some of the leading voices in our culture today, from top CEOs to Hollywood stars, best-selling authors to world-class artists. In coaching these incredible humans, one truth has become abundantly clear. No matter who we are, we all carry pain, joy, and the desire to feel connected to a sense of purpose. This podcast is my way of extending some of the powerful lessons of my proven method to you so that hopefully you too can be inspired to heal the white noise of your limiting beliefs and tune into the signal of your intuitive wisdom. Welcome to Signal. Today's conversation is between myself and Barbora. Barbora is a woman in her early 40s who is quite accomplished. She is a native of Slovakia and left home at 16 to explore her life in the US and later in the UK. She is a Cambridge graduate who set up an environmental education program for children. And she is also an accomplished singer who has been discovered and toured with the band, The Heliocentrics. In today's session, we cover Barbora's fear of taking up space as she continues to work on her music career and her limiting belief systems about how one takes up space as their quote unquote aging and how that aligns with her purpose and her way of expressing herself in the world. Hey Signal listeners, thanks for tuning in to Season 2. A couple quick disclaimers before we get started. Maury is not a licensed therapist, and this is not a therapy session. Intuition and purpose coaching with Maury is usually a six-month process, and what you're about to hear is just a snippet of what these sessions sound like. That said, this is a real coaching session with real people featuring real strategies that Maury uses in her method. All right, let's get to today's episode. Barbora, it's so nice to have you. I would love for you to just start off by telling me a little bit about yourself. Okay, so I was born in Slovakia. Um, I grew up there till I was 16 years old uh, by a single parent mom. Uh, My dad was kind of around, but not very much, kind of in the shadows. It was a really beautiful upbringing, but my family, my mom and my brother, there's a lot of kind of warfare going on there. Uh, so, um, he is undiagnosed, well, he was undiagnosed at the time, but he was bipolar with psychotic episodes. So there was a lot of constant attention on him a lot. So when I was 16, I left home. I went to visit some distant relatives I've never met in the United States. Um, and then once I got there, I decided I don't want to go back to Slovakia. <laughs> so just stay there with one suitcase. I ended up getting a boyfriend, ended up getting married at the age of 17, lived there for almost four years. Then I got divorced. Uh, then I decided to come to England because it was closer to my family and the next English speaking country. And I really didn't want to stay in Slovakia because I really thought I didn't fit in. I was always quite wild and different to, you know, to the people where I was from, I guess. And then um, I come to England and I've always sort of thought I wanted to study science. So I went, you know, I got to go to, go to Cambridge University, which was the only one out of my family to actually go to university and get into Cambridge. Quite rare. So I studied science in Cambridge, constantly thinking science. You know, I wanted to, I I grew up in the woods. So I thought I wanted to be, you know, just work in the natural environment. But I always sang since I was a little kid. I always wrote little notes. I was always singing and doing like impromptu performances. But I guess nobody ever out of my family kind of thought, okay, we should look into this because this is obviously something she really loves doing. But because I guess um, I come from a family where, you know, there wasn't artists or everyone was, you know, working 
So it wasn't seen as a thing. So, and then when I was at university, I joined the first band. And then I was like, oh my God, I realize I really love doing this. This really feels like this is me. And then I joined the band, but it was, you know, it was one of those girl bands at university or whatever. And then um, moved to London, set up my own charity. I was doing environmental education for children. And then my singing started to kick off. I started to get paid. And then all of a sudden um, I got... So this contact, I used to live on a boat and somebody saw me singing and they were like, oh my God, you have an amazing voice. I know these people, they're looking for a singer. So I met this band called the Heliocentrics. And um, yeah, and I literally, I mean, I have no like musical background. I studied science. So, you know, I didn't, I was just making music and it was all in my head. And so when I joined them, I was really intimidated because there's like all these guys, you know, proper musicians and I'm just there like, hello. And then they were like, sing something. With a beautiful singing voice, which is what... Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were like, make something happen. So I was just, I sort of freestyled in Slovakian, interestingly. And wow. uh, and they were like, oh my God. You know, we all looked at each other and we're like, this is perfect. And then they were like, do you want to come on tour five weeks later? So five weeks later, I was like touring Europe, went to Japan, um, did these amazing shows around the world. And then at, at that point, I've actually realized that even though I love what I was doing actually where it's at for me is singing and performing and being on stage I feel like home like it never feels to me when I get on stage like I'm intimidated it it's almost like a meditative moment where I feel free and so I've been doing that for quite a few years and obviously it's quite I found it quite tough making money out of music because if you're not in a big band and you're not touring then you're not making money so and then it took me a really long time to get confidence to actually think okay well I could actually maybe produce some of my own music so I've just released my own EP my my production Congrats. six seven years to kind of even though you know it's, I guess it's what I've learned in the band to kind of gain the confidence to do it um I still do other things on the side not with my degree but um I do a bit of um I guide I work with this medicine called Cambo um I'm trained to do it so I've do that uh, as a as a as a thing as well, which I sing and I use sound therapy stuff as well with it. So that's kind of how I'm making that's other part of my income. But it also feels really natural because I don't know I have this kind of natural capacity even when I'm performing. Like people say, you know, people come up to me and they say, oh, it was like a spiritual experience. It was like a gig. So I, I think I kind of those things I really found myself in them, and I really feel like I'm at home. So you're a healer. Well, people are healers, aren't they? I'm just guiding people to see their own, you know, we all have the capacity to heal ourselves. We just need to access that part. So I don't know if I'm a healer. I'm, I'm kind of a guide for people's process, yeah. All right. So that is a lot of accomplishment. Everything you're saying feels so purposeful. It doesn't feel like you spent a lot of time wasting time kind of conforming. You really were aligned with your truth. So... I want, I'm really curious, what is it that you want to focus on in this session? What would you like to say at the end of the hour? You know, you walked away and you're like, ah, I'm clear or I feel I feel empowered around I that. Feel, I feel a little bit like in terms of like the music and the performance, I feel that I should be a lot further than where I am. Like in terms of like, you know, I think that I have a talent. I clearly have a talent. Like I because you know, I, I did shows, I get the feedback, you know, people tell me I do. And I feel when I do it, maybe I'm not technically the best singer, but I definitely feel, you know, like I really feel things. And like when I write stuff and when I sing and when I perform, I have the capacity to make people cry because the emotion transcends and I feel like I'm open and I feel like I can connect. And like, I definitely feel like that's who I am. But I, um, I feel that I don't know what it is. Like, I feel that maybe with like the onset of this whole digital thing and Instagram, like, I think there's something about maybe my self image where I feel shy to be in front of a camera to talk about myself. Maybe there's something about like taking up space. I don't know. There's, I definitely feel like, obviously, like I'm a singer and I, I don't play any instruments. I play a little bit of piano because I teach a little bit sometimes. Um, but I wouldn't be good enough to play live because I was never trained in anything and I was just focused on singing and just sort of absorbing. But, you know, I wrote my I wrote my EP because I was like, 
I got to do it. Like I got to just brave up, even though I don't play anything. I learn enough keyboard, and then I use obviously softwares with plugins where I, you know you can put any kind of instrument on a keyboard. And I played it, and I programmed the drums, and then I connected. I contacted a producer. I was really nervous what they're going to say. Like, oh my god, this is you know what I mean, really basic. But the guy was like, wow, this is amazing. So. And it took me like years to get to that point to build up the strength. I could have, you know, I'm 40 now, you know. And also maybe it's that whole like, oh, I'm 40 and like, you know, women in their 40s, they don't break, you know, they don't break through at the age of 40. So I think there is something like not, maybe maybe I'm not, maybe some of these things I'm saying are it. And But I do feel like personally where I am, I think I should be a lot further because I've been kind of doing this for like 10 years now. And considering I have talent and considering I make music that's unique and I have interesting character who has something to say, um, that I feel that, I don't know, I think I should be further along. Okay. So am I right to say you feel that you should be further along in your music career? Yeah. There's pressure around your age and your gender that is causing that perception that there should be more at this point. And you believe that one of the greatest challenges or obstacles to being further along is your ability to be comfortable taking up space. Yeah, especially the online space. Because I, I guess a lot of the music that I follow is the people are a lot younger than me. And I love that music. But, you know, when you keep seeing this image of these younger women and everyone's got the filters on and everything's like, ooh, you know, looking great. And, you know, they have money to have this and that. And not that I would even want to do that. It's not like I want to go and have a plastic surgery or... I'm quite happy with aging, actually, but obviously not happy with the fact that actually the representation, I think, is like not, not exactly there. You know, what I mean, like, I mean, at least the music I'm following is not really represented by women my age. Do you think you're the only one who feels that way when they look at all of yeah. that content? <laughs> yeah. a lot of people. I think that you're in the majority on that. Yeah. And I think that one of the things for you to remember as a little seedling as we do this work and as you go think about things is that when we feel really deeply passionately about something, it's a big clue around our purpose. Mm. Yeah. And so your aversion is actually the same as passion. Your aversion to what you're looking at on Instagram, when you see these images and lifestyles that probably are hitting you as inauthentic is a really big clue around what you've been put here to help other people with through living your own life. So I want you to know that it's frustrating, I know, to feel like you don't measure up or add up, but there's a voice in there that's telling you something else about it when you look at these images. Mm. So the frustration or the fear or the trigger is saying, oh, I'm never going to make it because look who I'm stacked up against. But what is the intuitive voice telling you about what you're looking at when you look at this content? I think sometimes I have that voice and sometimes I listen to it. It's like a voice like, come on, like you, you, you are not them, but you are somebody else. Like my life is so interesting. You know, I'm from Slovakia. Like, which girl do I know who's Slovakian who even toured around the world with the Helios and Jigs? Like, no, which girl I do know who went to Cambridge? I was the only Slovak in my whole 600 people degree. Like, so obviously I clearly have something that's special, but still it's like, you know what I mean? That voice is, is big. And the other one where I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, oh shit, I have buck tooth. Or there's a lot around my self-image as well. Like, you know, my body's not perfect or, you know, I don't have the perfect face because everyone out there is just so perfect. Yeah. So quite often, you know, I would take people, I would record a video that I want to put online and then I take it down and I don't put it up there. You notice here that I ask Barbora really directly what her intuition is saying. And that's because when someone is really intuitive, uh, their intuition speaks loudly for them when I am interacting with them. So I could sense uh, that intuition because it was very loud and informing me and the questions that I should ask. And the reason that sometimes we ignore that intuitive voice, especially someone like Barbora, who is clearly intuitive and knows what intuition is saying and what it sounds like, is because the triggered self, the fear self who is younger and stuck in that moment of pain is louder. 
because that younger self is trying to protect us from doing something that will create harm. And this is a process of allowing intuition to begin to talk to that younger self, to that fear, so that it can start to unstick itself from those limiting beliefs and trust what intuition is saying so that the intuitive voice becomes louder than the fear voice. I just have to say I personally relate to you because I am also out there really, you know, spreading the message and I have the same thought process about the content I see. And there's the higher self that's like, you're not like them and that's the point. Yeah. <laughs> you need to be different so people can wake up yeah. to their own truth yeah. and to, to their yeah. own authenticity and their own intuition. But there's also that experiential, that human side of me, the one who's triggered, the one who's much younger who wants to fit in or feel like she is the same as or equal to. Um, And that voice is always louder. Why? We've been taught to trust that traumatized voice more than we've ever been taught to trust intuition. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah. And so one kind of intervention that I would love to offer you that's just kind of a quick tool, as you are exploring putting yourself out there on this platform, and comparing yourself, is introducing a more consistent dialogue between intuition and fear. Okay. And the way that you can do this is by starting out and asking fear, okay, what are all of the things you want to tell me right now that you're worried about around me putting myself out there? Okay, you're too old. You don't look the same. You don't, I'm just reflecting all the things that you said, by the way. (laughs) Right? Whatever that voice is telling you, really give it some airtime. Let it just take the stage. Imagine a stage and a microphone and a spotlight and say to fear, go ahead, go for it. And then shift your perspective almost kind of over to the right and see another microphone that shows up and another spotlight and invite higher self, invite intuition in. Yeah. And start to let fear ask it questions. Why do I feel this way? What do I need to know right now? What is my purpose? Why is it that I am in my 40s being called to do this? And I think one of the most important questions is, how is this helping other people? What do other people need to hear, feel, sense, see through me to be more empowered to be in alignment with their own truth? So try that intervention when it comes up. Yeah. And I always tell people this, you know, this work is about doing these kinds of things in the moment rather than having one-off sessions or, you know, kind of putting it in a bucket and doing it once in a while. This really only works when the feeling comes up in the moment and you stop and say, okay, hold on, stage, go ahead, fear, and let this process run itself through. And what you'll notice is this process is going to become so organic, it's going to become a running dialogue in your head yeah. as you process yeah. this fear that you have. Yeah. Before I post it, I can have that conversation before I delete it and not actually use it. Exactly. Right before you delete it, like, okay, what am I worried about? And now let's let intuition tell me why is this video important? And let me give you the purpose equation. I'd love for you to write it down and then I want to see what you come up with. Purpose is your natural skills and talents plus the things that make you feel alive, free, passionate, fulfilled equals Mm -hmm. impact on self and others. So for your highest good and the highest good of other people. And a shorter version is just natural skills plus passions equals impact. So at this point, you just heard me present Barbora with a formula or an equation, which I call the purpose equation. And as Barbora is about to tell us what she knows her purpose is in following the formula, it's really important that we consider that this is just as much about what her natural skill sets are, in this case, music and healing people through her music, what her passions are, what fulfills her, which is this sense of freedom and expression, and then ultimately how those two things add together to create impact. 
This impact piece is really important because people often forget that they are doing things for the sake of their own best interest and for others to grow and thrive. And once we become really grounded in the truth that our purpose is about impacting others, we're able to go express that purpose unabashedly without all of the guilt and judgment that other people throw at us or envy because we understand it's about something much bigger than ourselves. So if you look at that and play with it for a minute, I want to really sense the first thing that comes to you. What is your purpose? I think the first thing that comes to me is showing others how to be free. Like like the music to me, like when I sing and I perform, when when I'm there and I'm in that state of thoughtlessness and utter openness where like there's no thoughts, it's just like I'm in the music. It feels like I connect with people on like a really deep level that allows them to be and to feel free. Um, and that's the same with with the healing work I do is that I allow people to to see their own power. It's like holding a mirror to somebody. So I think a lot of stuff I do fulfills me, but my fulfillment connects with others and allows them the same, I guess. Um, yes, beautiful, beautiful. So I want you to remember that because when we are grounded in purpose, it allows us to make everything not so personal. And what I mean by that is you can begin to see yourself as a vehicle that's been put here at this time and place for a reason. And that reason is global. That reason is about humanity moving forward, especially when we're dealing with themes of self-acceptance and freedom, which we need more than ever right now. So if your purpose statement is something around my music contributes to my own freedom and creates a roadmap for other people's freedom, then you have there what they call in somatics, your kind of for the sake of what statement. Mm. Yeah. What is the point? Yeah. Right? Mm. And that is so powerful because then it allows you to, when you are making music or needing to release your own music or needing to release your own content, you're always able to draw it back to what? What do you what do you bring it back to? Well, the purpose. Yeah. And, yeah. Which makes it bigger than you. Yeah, I mean, 100%. Like, even when I do, you know, like when you said, oh, you're a healer. And like, you know, like I've, there's some people in this community that kind of make it a lot about themselves. But like, I think one thing I feel really content with my work is that people leave here and really feel like they done something. You know what I mean? Like, I just helped them, but they feel like they have found they're empowered themselves. But I think with the music, I just... Yeah, absolutely. I think um, even with the music and the healing work, I think maybe there's another thing that I'm connecting to this, but finding it hard with the music to, like, around money, and I'm generally funny around around money. I don't really know why. But, like, because I'm doing this work that is kind of helping people, sometimes I feel bad about, like, payments and money transactions and... And same with the music. I feel like, you know, like I've done really good stuff, but it feels like I'm, it's quite difficult to to make the money work. So like as an artist, it's a struggle. Um, so I want to make money, but I also feel that there's something around the way I think about money that is also stopping me. Yes. And money is an energy and it's an energy that we create major limiting belief systems around mm. as children who observe our parents and our lifestyle. So I actually think we can link this focus on your taking up space yeah. to this question you have about money too and try to hit them both head on. And, you know, I think as we pivot to our intention for today, which is really about you taking up space, you know, one thing that is really important for you to know now that we've really grounded ourselves in your purpose is that when you are put here with a purpose, every single experience that you have is in service of that purpose. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Even the ones that are excruciating. <laughs> 
Now, why is the work, right? Well, why? How did it fit in? That's your life's work. It's to almost, I want you to imagine like, you know, you're putting things linearly in a file so that they click and align, right? If my purpose is here, then why, 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 why? How did all of these experiences add up to that? And I want to get to your sense of taking up space and connect for you that and your purpose. So let's start with taking up space. Can you recall for me your first memory of, ooh, I need to take up less space in order for things to be copacetic? Yeah, I think I have this memory. So like I said, my brother is always a really problematic child. And my mom kind of, you know, has two kids and you know, I had two jobs and, you know, I was always the last kid to be sitting on the railing outside school and waiting for mom after school clubs closed or, and then she was so tired, you know, you could see the car driving by and I'd be like, oh, <laughs> she forget about her. Mm, then, single mom, right? Yeah, single, single mom, two kids. And I, I actually was quite a naughty kid. So I used to get expelled from school all the time. Like I've always had issues of, with authority. Like I found, that's why I guess when I got got out of uni I sort of got my own company and I was like I can't work for other people I just can't deal with it uh so I've always kind of yeah self-governed myself and I was a bit like that like a kid you know I was quite a difficult kid like and so I remember when it kind of become overbearing and I saw my mum really struggle with sort of trying to keep two kind of unruly kids um you know behaving and she was always super stressed to try to make ends meet um I remember this moment where I came in she was washing the dishes and I came into the kitchen I felt so bad for her that I was like Luke I'm going to be a really good kid from now on and you know I won't cause trouble and and I guess from then on it sort of felt like I just kind of was in the background and I could just sort of become this reliable child that wasn't causing trouble and would just get on with things. And then my mum would just constantly mm-hmm. spend time on my brother. And she's still spending time with my brother. You know, my brother, his story is, you know, he's in and out of prison. He's, you know, become, went from a successful businessman to a homeless man in the street. Um, and, you know, my mum almost doesn't have anyone because everyone's like, why are you even giving this guy time? And she's a mother. So I don't have children, so I can't quite you know, obviously I love her and, and I don't judge her, but I think all my life, I mean, the reason why I'm even in this country, which is a blessing, it was all a blessing because, you know, I'm here and I'm doing what I love. I couldn't do what I'm doing in Slovakia. So um, I'm blessed in that sense, but that's why I left home because I felt like I was kind of always in the background and always just observing this kind of warfare going on. So I kind of was a person who kind of would just get on with it. And that's what I've been taken for, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Is that? that It makes so much sense. It makes so much sense. And I would love to talk to, you know, that, is it preteen, teenager? How old were you when you kind of were like, okay, I'll stop. About seven or eight. Taking up space. Maybe a little bit older because I remember getting expelled the first three grades. Maybe I was nine. Yeah. Because I was... Okay, nine. You were, it sounds to me like also trying to get some attention. Possibly, yeah. Yeah. We're about to go into a visualization with Barbora where she gets to spend some time with her nine-year-old self. And you're about to hear me ask her to ask that nine-year-old to step forward. This is a really critical part of the method. The method of breaking down white noise so that we can hear the signal of our higher selves. And... This is going to be a reoccurring theme in the sessions you hear, but in each one, we're going to notice that we go to different places and hear different limiting beliefs and allow those limiting beliefs to be healed in different ways. And what you're about to hear is Barbora having this dialogue with her nine-year-old self about taking up space. So, okay, so eight years old, nine years old. First of all, I would love for you to just kind of see if you can sense Barbora, nine years old, just even sense her around you right now. Can you bring her forward? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I think the first thing that's really important is um, how damn intelligent at nine years old to flip and create this strategy 
so that you all could survive. Yeah. Very intelligent. <laughs> Does she know that? How smart that, how intelligent, how brilliant? Yeah. I never looked at it like that. I mean, I'd, yeah, I looked at it as a kind of a coping strategy and extended kindness, but never looked at it from that perspective. I mean, I have, you know, I sort of follow loads of people like, you know, Gabor Mate and, you know, Stanislav Gorona. And, and, you know, he always talks about how these coping mechanisms we create are actually part of our intelligent systems, isn't it, to, to survive, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Are you willing to do a little visualization with me? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. Mm -hmm. Just take a deep breath. I don't think we have to go far because you can sense her. Can you bring her to mind? Can you describe to me what is she doing when you see her right now? Like literally, where is she? What's she up to? Uh, I see you. I, I keep coming back to that that my mom in a kitchen moment. Yeah, I always used to wear baggy shirts. I always had body image stuff, so I'm there like in my baggy T-shirt. So as she talks to your mom and leaves the kitchen and rounds the corner, mm. where can you see she goes after that conversation? Forest. Mm. Okay, cool. Can you sense how she's feeling out there in the forest? She's feeling a bit alone. Mm -hmm. A little bit lonely. I want you to see yourself right now in present time, kind of in that forest too and approaching her and let me know when she notices you coming near now mm -hmm. and how's her reaction she's smiling yeah she's happy to see beautiful no good good all right go close to her and why don't you just find a place to sit down the two of you and as you sit down, the first thing I would love for you to reflect to her in whatever language makes sense to you is your gratitude for her genius and what she just sacrificed for your own survival and your mom's survival. Did she receive that? I want you to think for a minute and respond to this question, and then you're going to explain this to her as well. She made that decision, that sacrifice, for the sake of your survival. What was it at the cost of to her at nine? At the cost of um, just being the kid she needed to be, I guess, and be herself. Mm. be seen mm -hmm. feel like she can take up space because there is someone to hold it I guess my mom as well mm -hmm. and by becoming invisible and not allowing herself to be a child what did she lose kind of innocent become mm. just grow up too quickly yeah so she lost her innocence and did she lose a little bit of freedom yeah can you Tell her what you do right now when you're on stage. Yeah. Give her almost like she can see it, like project into her the vision of you touring with heliocentrics and being on stage and how much space you take up to do that. And as she's looking at it, I want you to ask her, what does she think about that? How does she feel? She feels great. Mm. She feels happy to see it. Mm -hmm. Why? Because inside, I think it was her dream to do it. It was what she wanted to do. So how does she feel about, yeah, how does she feel about you? She feels proud of me. And in you taking up the space you take up, what are you allowing her to do? To live, to be, to be free. To be free. So... I'm going to say something. I want you to really put it in your own words and make sure you feel it before you say it to her. But I would love for you to convey, again, thank you for so brilliantly sacrificing and creating a strategy so we can survive. And I want you to know we don't need to survive anymore. We're now here to thrive. 
And thriving is about this feeling of freedom you have as you look at what I'm doing. And it's okay for you to put down that strategy, put it down, and know that in taking up space, we're living our dream and helping other people. Yeah. <clears throat> How did she receive that? Well, she received it well. Good. The last thing I want you to ask her is, she has a choice. She can stay here in this forest or in that house. Or does she want to come forward with you into the present where you are working on a life that takes up space and does it in service of your own freedom and other people's freedom? She wants to come with me. Beautiful. So I want you to, first of all, just put your arms around her and give her a really big embrace. And while you've been communicating with her through thought, now I really want you to let her feel how you feel about her. I love her. You love her. And how does she feel about you? She loves me. She loves you and you are the only parent she needs now. Because she's really impressed with what you've done. <laughs> she really is. She, is. <laughs> she really is, yeah. I can feel that. Okay. All right. So put out your hand. Let her grab your hand. And as you just visualize, I want you to visualize yourselves walking out of the forest away from the house. So in the opposite direction, towards a clearing. You're still holding her hand over... You're going to see a hill. You're going to walk up the hill. And as you look down, you're going to see your neighborhood that you live in today. Hold her hand, walk down the hill. And as the grass becomes sidewalk and cement, you're going to start to recognize your neighborhood. Just walk her up to your street and now to your door. Just open the door and welcome her. Tell her that anytime she wants to chat with you, you're here, and she gets to be a part of what you're building. How does that feel? Feels good. And then when you're ready, no rush, I want you to take a really deep breath, fill your lungs, and exhale really slowly and open your eyes slowly. Hi. Hi. <laughs> How are you feeling? Yeah, I feel good. It's powerful. So what do you think about taking up space now? Yeah, I feel I feel better about it, definitely. I think I found this different way of looking at it. Mm -hmm. What is your for the sake of statement for taking up space? What are you doing it for? To allow myself to be free and allow others to do the same. Absolutely. And you just made nine-year-old you a promise <laughs> yeah. that she finally gets to be free. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So remember every time that you feel like you're going to back off of taking up that space, that you're breaking a promise to her. She's really excited to finally take up space. Yeah. And we've already established early on that there's so many people out there who feel like you do. And the only way that they cannot feel isolated standing in the middle of that forest is by watching you do what you do and recognizing themselves in your journey, seeing themselves in your courage, seeing themselves in your pain, in your frustration. That's what they feel when they listen to your music. Would, would you agree? Do you get that feedback? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So any part of your platform, whether you're singing or you're putting up content or you're writing a song, all of it is creating the same impact for people and for little you. Ooh, so that was a powerful visualization we just witnessed with Barbora. It was so 
clear that she was so in touch with that part of herself that there was a dialogue that ensued and that there was even emotion flowing between the two of them. And when I can sense that emotion, I always love to ask my clients to just give a hug to that younger child because they need to know that they are loved and seen and safe. And you just heard how well nine-year-old Barbora responded to being seen and held. Uh, And it's just such a beautiful way to thank that part of ourselves for stepping forward and let them know that we care. So take a deep breath. What's coming up for you right now just on the work we did? Is there anything that's kind of a loose kind of thread that's still dangling or do you feel really whole around that concept for now? No, I feel quite whole. I think the only thing that came up for me is it's interesting that that it's still there. This like, you know, because it made me cry when I was when we talked about it and when I did the visualization, I cried. And it's interesting because, you know, I've I've sort of had moments like I did, you know, I started on this kind of self-healing journey. Um, you know, I got into meditation and then a lot of meditation retreats. I went to a sound healing course, did loads of stuff, did loads of psychedelic stuff part of the therapy you know I had these moments where actually I was washing dishes once and I literally could feel the pain that the little girl felt like I literally felt like I embodied myself when I was that age and actually how painful it felt to to see my mom in that situation and I just was like oh and then I started crying and it's interesting and I don't know if this ever will change that yeah like when we just went there when you just took me on this journey, you know, it still brought tears to my eyes that I'm still kind of emotionally reacting to it. I mean, just like, am I always going to feel like that? Or, <laughs> or is that? No. No. <laughs> the good news is no. But, but also <laughs> in some ways it informs your purpose, right? So there's value in her experiences and her feelings because had she not experienced those things and felt the pain she did, it wouldn't have driven you to move to the US, move to the UK, go to Cambridge, join a band. You know, your drive is in in thanks big time to those experiences. And so in a lot of ways, they will always be a part of you. I think the question I'm hearing you say is, will they always feel as dire? Will they always feel as painful? And I think that part of this healing work that you're doing right? In really pinpointing, what are my fears holding space? Where do they come from? Oh, her. Okay. Let me initiate a dialogue with her about that feeling and let me listen. And then let me reflect to her what's happening today. And let me ask her if she wants to come forward, right? Come out of being stuck in that place. The more that you do that, the more she will heal and the pain won't feel as severe. Yeah. It's not even, it's just sad. I guess sadness is what I would say I feel. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell you I've done this work myself. I never ever coach on anything I haven't experienced. That's one of my rules because I do not believe in false idols who (laughs) pretend like they understand things that they haven't done. (laughs) The more you have the dialogue with that hurt little one. Yeah. The more you invite them to see the truth of today and then invite them forward, the less sad they are. Yeah. So that's the healing work. Yeah. I, for example, have a very isolated six-year-old, seven-year-old, eight-year-old who was home alone a lot. And one of the things I've worked on is how much I'm afraid of being alone, right? I always have to surround myself with people. Not anymore, but that's because I would literally go sit on that, I'd go sit on that couch with her as she was watching TV and continually listen to how she was feeling and tell her what I've built and ask her if she wants to get up off the couch. And so now when I think about her, she doesn't make me sad anymore. She's not even really there anymore. Mm. So it's like a continual practice of this. Yeah. Every time you feel a fear. I want that to be shorthand for you, that that's just little you Mm. trying to get your attention. Mm. That's all it is. It's just little you trying to say, hold on a minute. Don't do this. It's dangerous. We're going to get hurt. Yeah. Right? 
And that's where you need to go in as the adult and say, I God, I hear you. And I'm so grateful for the sacrifice you're making at this point in your life. However, this is the truth about our purpose. This is what makes us feel free and fulfilled. Do you like that? You like it? Cool. Let's go do that together. It's about showing that you are in the driver's seat so they don't push you out of the driver's seat and try to drive the car when they can't even see over the steering wheel. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Yeah. I agree, yeah. Listen up, because I believe that many, many, many people have a similar belief system as Barbora is about to share around money. And the reason that we believe that purpose and money don't go hand in hand is really around a myth that's been implanted into us from other systems that want us to work more for their dreams than our own. So listen to this part clearly and think about how it applies to your own sense of money and purpose. So if you apply that same formula to your thought processes about money, yeah. What do you now know was implanted or incepted in you about money from your childhood? I mean, I can't even, I don't know, if I think about the money, you know, we were never made to feel like, you know, we don't have money. I mean, my mom would just sort of, you know, consider we were from a single parent family and I grew up in communism. You know, we, we weren't like, I mean, we lived quite isolated. Like, that's why, you know, when you said about being alone, we lived in the in the woods just outside Bratislava. So uh, there was no, you know, there was one neighbor and then it was just woods. You could like walk through the Carpathian Mountains of the Black Sea from my house if you wanted to. So um, my mum worked really hard to, you know, we were never meant to feel like, I never felt like we were poor, for example. I mean, and, you know, we, we had a car and we had food and so I can't even figure out where this money thing is from but I think it's maybe like more of a self-worth thing again like me deserving it it's about me valuing myself enough it's it comes back to the taking up space really if I think about it in my head because it's like that's also one way to take up space isn't it I deserve this because I've been doing you know even with the healing work it's like I've been doing it stuff for five years and it's like you know I have expertise you know everyone who leaves me is like has transformation so it's kind of healed yeah (laughs) like people you know like yeah just the other day I had somebody can't sleep had the first nine hours sleep in freaking years like so and you know everyone who comes to me has done this work with other people but they're like wow the way you hold the space and the way you sing and that you know like it's a kind of a really beautiful ceremony and so it's just like even when I have to say about my prices or anything I'm always like you know I have this internal like and you know with music people reach out to me all the time and it's kind of like and nobody ever talks about money like oh I want you to sing on this track but you know no and it's kind of like when I have to bring the money thing up I'm like inside of me is this feeling of like I'm gonna collapse because I've got to talk about money and it's like you know I've got to live yeah um it doesn't feel like I can't really pinpoint like my childhood where it relates to I just I don't I I think you just did I am so glad you connected it to taking up space because the minute you said money I felt this this is the same issue yeah the same issue yeah right yeah and so you yeah you now see that too so this is about Yeah, taking up space. So if you understand that taking up space is now a promise you've made to allow younger you to be free and something that is necessary for you to live your purpose so other people can be impacted, Mm. right? Yeah. Then let's really specifically talk about money, which is that. Yeah. Money is an energy. Mm. And everything needs to have reciprocity. Energy needs to flow out and in so that it does not stagnate. So what I mean by that is that when you offer someone a service, when you offer someone your talent, when you're bringing yourself your energy forward and there's no energy exchange back to you, Mm. 
It does not flow. It does not achieve its maximum impact. Whether that manifests in people taking it for granted, whether it manifests in people not taking it seriously, not really absorbing the experience they're having, whatever that outcome is, when the energy stagnates because they're not properly meeting you with the energy of money for what you're bringing forward, then you're not creating the impact. You're not actually fully expressing your purpose. This idea that people have that purpose is about living a, you know, monk life like life where everything is done for free mm. or going to work in a nonprofit mm. is a myth. Mm. It's a myth that's been instilled in us through capitalistic societies that want us to understand that it's better to work for their dreams than our own. So we had to believe that purpose made us no money, so we didn't pursue our own purpose. The reality is purpose needs energy to move forward and money is energy. As long as you're focused on what's making you light up and how that impacts the world, then the money should absolutely support that. How does that resonate? How's that like metabolizing? (laughs) Yeah, no, metabolizes. I mean, I think I'm getting better, you know. you know, I'm definitely getting better at it. Like the other day I had somebody, some producer got in touch with me from the States and, you know, he said this and this and that. And I just, you know, that I could see that progress within me that I went straight away and I said, well, let's talk about money because you know, it's lovely to collaborate, but, you know. Beautiful. Um, so I think I'm getting better at it. But, you know, with the healing work, it's it's just difficult, isn't it? Like, because I think, I think there's a part of me in my mind that is kind of like, you know, like money, like the whole like ah economy, you know, I think it's just all made up and I don't know what the other, how life could be, you know, like to imagine this world that wasn't white colonial supremacist patriarchal capitalist world. So there's this element of me that hates the system. So and I don't know whether that is part of me is kind of like to engage in getting it. It's like, I feel like I'm dirty or like, it feels like, you know, it's not right. I don't know. I think there's a bit of that as well. I think. There are societies throughout time that have used trade of commerce in a more abundant way than what you see capitalism doing. So again, it's not the commerce. Yeah. It's not the coins. It's not the shells. It's not the paper. Yeah. That's evil. Yeah. It's the intention that it is being manipulated with and used with and um, utilized to oppress. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So then when we want to be in right alignment with money, it is about constantly checking our own intention. When we're aligned with purpose, yes, it will always be good when you're aligned with purpose because purpose is about you and impact to others. Right? And I'll tell you something. You know, I've been doing this work for, you know, close to four or five years, just the specific purpose and intuition coaching. And there are a set of clients as as, as the demand has grown that we take pro bono, mm. depending on their circumstances. Mm. Those clients, fantastic. There are a set of clients that I will agree because of my personal relationship with to not charge. Mm. And then there's those clients who pay my full rate. Mm. Of those three groups, who do you think cancels their sessions the most? The ones who don't pay. Yes. Not the pro bono ones because they really feel invested in the work and they understand the scope of it, right? But those clients who I just agree to give my service of, of helping them get in touch with their intuition and their purpose for free, cancel the most often or don't take notes. Or don't show up and have done the homework I've given them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they don't, yeah, there's no exchange, so they sort of take it for granted, don't they? Yeah. Correct. It's not a judgment. It's just a reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So know that their contribution of money to you is them saying, I am invested in the work. I am invested in the healing. That's all that you're asking for. Are there any voices in your head that are challenging what I'm saying that want to get some airtime? No. No, I agree with everything you said. No? 
no, no. Everyone fell in love. I agree. It's just like coming yeah. through, you know, like it's like catching myself in the moment and just pushing through the discomfort in a way. You know, that's sort of a little bit of practice of that, isn't it? Where it's like every time, every time I take up a bit more space, then I'm like, okay, I can take up more space. And I don't know, that's sort of how it feels in practice. It's like building a muscle. It gets bigger and bigger. What was the tool I gave you right at the beginning of our session when we talked about posting content and the fear voice? What is that exercise I told you to do in the moment? It's about creating a stage and allowing the fear to speak to me about what's what could happen and then bringing in the intuition and then, yeah, giving them both a voice and having that internal dialogue. Same thing when the money piece comes up. Mm. Same exact exercise. Yeah. And let me ask you, because I can sense that you know, what does fear feel like when it comes up for you? Kind of like anxiety. It's sort of feeling a bit anxious and feeling a bit like, um, you know, kind of a bit like a child, you know, where you can't, you know, you can't say to the parent or to somebody what you actually really want. You know what I mean? That sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because it is a child. And what does the, in, what does intuition feel like when it comes through? It's just like a clear knowing, isn't it? It's it's a knowing. It's like a comfort. It feels natural. It doesn't doesn't have anxiety. <laughs> so I like with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's really calm. Yeah. yeah. And I always say emo- uh, intuition is emotionally neutral. Yeah. Now that you've described what it feels like, what do you think I mean by that? Well, neutral means that it's just doesn't make you feel this or that it's just there and it's in this kind of peace you know it's the peace in the knowing isn't it like sometimes when I when I have the thoughts like I know you know like you know like you, you know like with my singing and my music like I know is what I have to do here like no one you know there's days where I'm just like no one can tell me otherwise it, and it comes from within me and I'm just like a hundred percent no that this that when because because the way I feel when I'm in it or even when I do that when I do the healing work the way I feel in it it feels like I am really myself like it's just so fulfilling and it's so natural and it's not hard work and it's pleasure and yeah it just feels right you know it feels right yeah because your alignment with purpose okay so I want to remind you that these two exercises you just learned, these two strategies we just created, the one around fear and intuition speaking to each other, and the one about going back and spending time with other little versions. There's going to be a four-year-old, there's going to be a 15-year-old, right? Who want to be heard and then want to see what your purpose is all about and want to be given the choice of staying stuck or coming forward, really only work if you employ them in the moment over and over and over. I mean, does it help to write things down or is it just sort of mental? Like A hundred percent. Like with the fear. A hundred percent. So if I have a little notebook and I can just write the things down and just really see them yes. written. And what I do with that is just literally take a page and draw a line down the middle. And with all of the fear thoughts, give it the left-hand column and make a list. And then when intuition comes in, give intuition the right-hand column and make a list. That's really helpful. And in fact, I'm so glad you mentioned that because writing things down is what allows then our brain to catch up to what our energy and our emotions just did. It literally helps us rewire our brain. So I love that you're willing to do that because that is really important. And same with, you know, the other thing that I do sometimes is like I'll do a QA and a with 10-year-old me and just open up a page and let her ask a question and I'll write it out and then I'll write out my answer to her. And then just have the dialogue on paper. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm, I'm just ready, you know. I'm ready to to, to do this, yeah. <laughs> I can sense that you're ready and I can sense that your purpose is really, really palpable, really important, really something people are hungry for. And when you have a purpose that important, you don't really have a choice, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. All right. Is there anything that you still want to ask or cover that we didn't get into? No, I feel um, I feel pretty good. I feel like I'm leaving with a good ammunition to start breaking this down. Yeah. So just take a deep breath for me. And I would love for you to tell me what's the greatest reflection you took from our session today. 
think the thing that I kept thinking about throughout the session and that's come to me now is the connection of my purpose to other people, the sort of transpersonal element of what I'm doing, because I love sharing things and I love, you know, I just love for all of us to be free and to be happy and to be ourselves. And so, yeah, is that part, that that perspective I've gained from actually, because even, you know, when I do things for other people, but just even with the singing and just opening it like that, like, like connecting it to the purpose, like, yeah, I'm not just choosing to be a singer. I'm choosing to be a singer who allows people to see their own peace, their themselves and their own freedom and their own truth. So yeah, I think that, yeah, that really taken away. But obviously two, two really good exercises. <laughs> I'm gonna... Yeah, good. I'm so glad you walked away with that impact piece because it makes such a difference in informing why you're doing what you're doing yeah. and making it not personal. Yeah, yeah, just like it's transparent. It's yeah. about all of us and that... That gives exactly. a, that gives a bit of gravity to it, you know, to the purpose. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and it helps you with that fear voice. Say, no, we have to. Yeah, 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 we have to. We're not doing this just for ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for listening to Signal. This podcast is hosted by me, Maury Fontanez, and produced by myself. Anais Aslami and the talented team at Terra Firma, Casey Helmick and Lauren Hall. Please join us again next week for another great episode of Signal.